0: Welcome to in the Higgins, Higgins House, House and my mommy's, and my mommy's podcast. podcast. <laughs> hey, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Higgins House. Today is part two of Sarah and Abby's story. I'm so excited to kick off right where we left off, talking about all things sensory integration for Abby. So let's okay, dive on in. Sensory, so like tight squeezes yeah. and those kinds of things.
1: So lots of sensory things. Um, so. Moral of the story is I read that checklist and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm very positive. That Abby's probably- <laughs> um, so then next day or two, I went to daycare and, um, cause I knew obviously my friend had noticed some things. I had noticed some things. I wanted to see if daycare had also noticed some things or if they were like my friend and had seen them for a year and just had not, weren't sure not how to, to say me it. That. Yeah. Uh, I went to her sweet daycare director and her daycare director at the time had been her teacher when she was but like since she was like a year old she had taught Abby's class for a long time and then had moved up to the director so she knew Abby pretty well she had seen her for years um, and her the teacher in her current room had also been with her for a long time so I went to her director and I was like listen is there any other reason why Abby has not moved up to the three year old class besides potty training mm-hmm. like I know the potty training have you just noticed anything else that might be like different from her peers and she was like well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I kind of get why my friend didn't want to tell me, but I wish like yeah, take it, like <clears throat> her had said something. Honestly, definitely, really I'd love to have known sooner. But I also know like that is
0: it's one of those fine know? lines of yeah.
1: I, um, so for me, it was like this giant light bulb that I was like, I understand my child now, yes. and also at that, point, I think if someone had said something a year earlier. We were still very much in the phase of, like, well, this could be normal. This like, I think just, I could yeah. have gone to Fox and they would have been like, I'll oh, just wait and see. Like, she's mm-hmm. not, by three and a half, it was so clear. Like, her developmental differences were so distinctly different mm-hmm. um, that it was just, like, really obvious. And um, so her day-grader just, well, yeah, like, we probably, and, you know, she had, she wasn't also in the room with Abby every day at that point either. Um, but she said, you know, like she does seem to have a hard time with things that the other kids don't mm-hmm. really struggle with. Um and so they she had like a big evaluation thing but she was like, I'll fill out this like checklist for you and get it back to you. And so the next day she gave me the C D C milestones checklist, mm-hmm. which I did not know it was. a mm-hmm. which they sent you home with your newborn with this like
0: fifty seven thousand articles, yeah. But I realized
1: a year ago how behind she was so other tidbit for parents listening the CDC milestones checklist and there's an app that's like phenomenal mm-hmm. um, app version gives you examples of what all these things should look like kind um, <coughs> of check it off and come back to it so they had filled that out for me and it was the thing she should have been doing at three mm-hmm. and so she's half an and she was missing like half of them mm-hmm. and she had again it was kind of in categories and she had all of the ones in the cognitive category like yeah. I knew she was I knew she knew she had all those down. Um, her physical development was not really that behind. I think now I'm seeing it more that she's still at five is struggling to like stand on one foot. Uh-huh. Um, like her gross motor, motor development mm-hmm. has been different, but at the time she wasn't like that dramatically, you know, three-year-olds are not super coordinated humans. So, mm-hmm. right. like yeah. that. but the other ones her social and her language were like, she was missing a ton of them. And then there was this other separate little sidebar of, um, Like if they do have any of the things in this box, Uh go to the doctor. Um and things like missing a skill that they used to have. Like with the potty training, she had kinda had it for a little bit and then would go right back. Like she'd go for two weeks with no accidents and then she'd have multiple accidents a day and we'd end up so there were a lot of things that she had seemed to like regress on almost. I don't even know what else was in that box, but I know she had half the things in that box. And so the I Went home and pulled up like a blank copy or found the app and mm-hmm. did it myself because I thought, you know, I kind of want to see School if perspective versus
0: of- home. Yeah.
1: Home. Kids are, you know, I taught long enough. I know kids are different in schools than they are at home sometimes. Um, and it was pretty similar to what school had said. Like, I think there are probably some things that I would have seen that they had not just from being her mom and being around her more. Um, but it was pretty similar. And so that little. Sidebar box that said if they have any of these, call your pediatrician for a developmental screening. <laughs> I said, That's what I'm gonna do, and I called the pediatrician mm-hmm. said I need to schedule a developmental screening. <laughs> like I don't know what to do. Right. So they said okay. I was like that worked. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know what that was in. Um. And so we went to her pediatrician, and it was basically a redo of her three-year checkup, mm-hmm. which I did not realize when she was three. Um. She just screened the entire doctor appointment. She did, not, she did not like the doctor. She screamed and cried the whole time, and I answered every question.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: did red flags at the time. So when the doctor did the, like, well, is she learning her letters? And I was like, yeah, she knows them all. We were like, great, check that off. Right. It was fine. Um, the doctor had not actually gotten to talk to her, and I didn't realize at a three-year checkup, the doctor would have talked to her right. and asked her questions. Right. And we totally missed that because she wouldn't stop crying. Um, so it was basically a redo of that. And at this point, Abby had seen a lot of, like, cocomelon and blippy Doctor episode, uh, and she was kind of like a doctor because like mm-hmm. Blippi does stuff up on babies at this children's museum, like baby doll things. Uh-huh. She's like, I want to go to the doctor, stethoscope and um whatever. So she was cool with it, sweet as pie. And I had my whole checklist filled out, which was really helpful to because I know a lot of parents will message me and be like, I have some concerns, my doctor won't believe me, what you know, or what do I tell my doctor? And I was like, have a checklist. Like I mm-hmm. think it's so yeah. helpful locked in with a cdc like medically yeah. accepted
0: <laughs> these the are my concerns standard. yeah
1: um, very specific list and i sat there and went through the whole thing with her pediatrician of like here's all the things that take care you know mm. all these specific developmental points that she was missing and abby's just sitting on the table chilling like vibing in the, the doctor room whatever um and so then the doctor went to ask her questions <laughs> and what it, and they weren't they weren't like typical th- i think she asked her um what does your mom make for dinner that you like to eat? Uh-huh. And Abby around the room and just like picked a word and said Just it. a random <laughs> phrase. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <What's the word? laughs> That's a, Benjamin, Benjamin's answer for everything is yellow. What color is yeah, that? Like, and it doesn't matter what it is. Lelo. What is that? Lelo. <laughs> what is that? But if you say, find me the blue one, then he can find you the blue yeah. one. And I'm like, all right.
1: There was like a definite disconnect, and like she knew the doctor was saying something to her, and she knew she was supposed, supposed to, to say answer, back, yeah. But no idea what she was supposed to say back, so she just picked a thing and smiled and was very sweet and excited about it. Straight Four or five questions, was like, "Yeah, we're, I'm gonna write you a referral." And I was mm-hmm. like, "Thank you, great, awesome, <laughs> um, that's all." And I had no idea what the process was at this point. Like, do you diagnose my kid? Like, to right. tell me today. Yeah, but what? So she referred us to an in-town, like, specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out pediatricians do not diagnose autism. Nope. It's like a psychologist.
0: It's a psychologist.
1: It mm-hmm. it's the so, so fun I, fact,
0: um, a licensed psychologist does the diagnosing for medical purpose, medical autism, which I say that because in school districts, at least in Texas, and this may be applicable everywhere, but I only know for Texas and can only speak on behalf of Texas. When your child goes to school, even if you have a medical diagnosis of autism, they also have to qualify educationally, meaning that their Uh autism affects their capability to learn. So I know Asperger's is not in the DSM-5, but like those students who had Asperger's, that very high functioning autism, if it was not affecting their education and their ability to learn, they actually don't qualify for special education services because that. It's a very interesting. A lot, a lot of parents have a hard time with. Well, I have this right here. Why does my child not qualify? And it's very difficult to explain because it's one of those very black and white things. You would think that they would. And and so, for those of you who don't know, um, it is a process. They they go through the diagnosing portion of it again through uh, the school diagnostician, and we do use a licensed school psychologist also as you know as part of that, but. It is an interesting process because sometimes they don't qualify educationally um, and they may qualify another way, speech or, you know, those kinds of things. But a lot of times that's, it's, it's something I try to be very upfront with parents about from the get go when I meet them, because I, I don't want to go to a meeting and be like, well, your kid is actually not in, in school world. Like, (laughs) because that's essentially what you're saying, right? Like, it's like, I, yeah, like I believe you. It's not that, but really It's also kind of a positive if you think about it, because it's like if they don't qualify from an educational perspective, it means that that what they are facing is actually not keeping them from learning in those particular cases. Obviously, that's not true for everybody. But um, if you are a young parent with a younger child going into the educational world um, of pre-K and up, that is something to be aware of, because they are actually two different things.
1: (laughs) already when you suspect autism you can ask the school for yes. an evaluation then kind of work backwards so like mm-hmm. if you have the school on you can go back there and say mm-hmm. school thinks it's basic, now i need like the medical. the medical and there's kind of different purposes for different especially if you do end up needing like therapies or things like that like mm-hmm. what insurance will cover be necessary if they have a diagnosis right. or like different different things you qualify for um i do think it is worth getting a diagnosis even if you already know mm-hmm. like i think benefits especially long-term like college and career mm-hmm. like by under ada and they cannot be discriminated against at work mm-hmm. um for being able to like function in an office setting or attend your meetings because they are autistic. <laughs> mm-hmm. even as adults because you don't outgrow autism, it stays with you mm-hmm. at work yeah. um and then so having knowing that about yourself into adult like we know as adults who are diagnosed in adults with uh-huh. our things like if I saw myself from the time that I was a kid like my educational career might have looked a little different or like uh-huh. I mean, you know I did fine I know a lot I probably
0: of wouldn't have changed too. my major 27 times like you
1: know, I- <laughs> some things I might have done a little bit differently but anyways um we went medical diagnosis first because she was only three and a half she was mm-hmm. not in school um, so we uh went to whatever it is was like a very long process like yes, it, it sounds short. And honestly, for us, I think it was pretty quick. Like after having this whole Instagram and hearing so many other people's stories, mm-hmm. um, six months in and out was pretty good. Like yeah. I think a yeah. lot of people take it's way longer waits than we did. Um, or especially in other countries. Like I know mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of followers in the UK, um, and their diagnosis process is like way different mm-hmm. than in the States and it takes years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, very grateful for six months. It felt like endless at the time. Um, but we, they sent us to this specialist, the psychologist. And um, the first appointment, so we saw that like pages and pages and pages mm-hmm. of paperwork. Again, was like all the things your child can't do. Um, and that was the, at what age? I mean, there was like a whole box of by the month. When did she sit up?
0: <laughs> when did she roll over? I don't know.
1: I was, and I was like, I don't. I don't know any of this. No- digging back through my photo album on my phone, trying to find like the first picture of her rolled over and the first mm-hmm. picture. of
0: her And then you're like, yeah, that's right. I'm mom of the year, February 12th at two oh seven PM. Yep, like yep. I only know that because of my photo album, people like, I don't know.
1: These were rough estimates. Um, and I realized, and I thought not then it was so weird. And there were all these questions about like my pregnancy with her and my delivery with her. and mm-hmm. like, Why do you need to know all of these things? And it's because according to the DSM five to mm-hmm. diagnose autism, they have to rule out anything else. Yeah. So they have to be able to say um, there was no I, issue
0: also, at birth or delivery or not, yeah
1: um, trauma, no trauma. brain
0: trauma. Yeah,
1: things mm-hmm. I taught the school that I taught at had a very high demographic of trauma children mm-hmm. or experienced childhood trauma, um, and I I kind of I think it's interesting looking back at how similar like a lot of the things that I did for those kids I do for Abby mm-hmm. and it's not not traumatized. I hope. Um, and they were not autistic, but they all could not handle sudden changes, mm-hmm. and they all needed visual. And they all, like well, they and were... it, it's also
0: what your brain does. You, regardless of a diagnosis, when our brains go through any kind of perceived trauma, I talk about this a lot with my my parents. Any kind of perceived yeah. trauma, like for Abby, it could be that we did not go down the aisle in Target, right? Like that is that is the trauma for Abby. That's... And for this other kid, it could be you know a a big a big T trauma, as I call them, from a, a past home scenario or whatever. Whenever we are in crisis, um, you know, like, again, can be anything from we didn't go down aisle B to the other, um, we revert back to, yes, like we revert back to our brains, revert back to the the version of ourselves that we were when we had the big T trauma, which, again, can be your version of big T trauma. So if it is significant like abuse or, you know, something along those lines, if that took place when a child was 18 months, 2, three, somewhere in there, your brain reverts back to that age. If your child couldn't talk during that time frame of their life, they can't talk during the crisis. So like even me wow. as a 31 year old, I grew up as a kid, undiagnosed ADHD who God love my parents. They were just trying to survive. I got shushed a lot and it is, it wow. is a, I, I I'm careful with calling it a trauma because I, I love my parents. They did a great job, but like I, my yeah. husband learned very early on, even when you're kidding, you don't shush me. It, I ah. I really I kind of lose it, and because I I have this undesired need or this desire to be heard, and you know here I am on a podcast, but <laughs> but when I feel unheard, I revert back to like a six, seven, eight year old child, because that is when I was most frequently shushed. Because you're starting to go to church, you're starting to sit through things, you're starting, you know. And so I will act, though, like a six, seven, eight year old child in my responses. And so that's what I've, I've explained to a lot of parents who, you know, CPS case or there's a guardianship, ch- you know, those kinds of scenarios. If your child was 18 months, 2, 3, what kind of vocabulary did they have at that time, diagnosed or not in whatever capacity? When they go into crisis mode, they revert back to that. So even if they do talk a million words a minute, when they go in crisis, if they weren't talking then, they're not talking now. And they're not going to use words to – that's why I hate that phrase, use your words. Like, we tell our kids, use your words. And I'm like, while I understand the meaning behind it, like, I do want you to use your words, their brains may truly not have words to use. They can't. And so, regardless of a diagnosis or not, when was when, – you know, when your child responds like you know like that in the store – or whatever the case may be, their brain goes back to the first time that it changed. So if Abby was like whatever you're saying, 18 months or two years old, the first time you noticed, even at five, six, seven, she's going to revert back to that. And that may be the, still the version of Abby that we see when you skip aisle B. Don't be skipping aisle B, ma'am. Um, <laughs> but I think a lot of times that's really helpful for parents to remember because it doesn't have to be a big T trauma. It could be as simple as, I dropped that glass and it broke and it was significant enough that I remembered it. Well, now every time I drop a cup, I panic or, you know, whatever, um, Uh, our, our kids brains revert back to that. And whatever age that was, that is how they're going to act. And as a 31 year old, you can act like a six year old again, or a teenager, you know, like when, when we see 45 year old women getting attitudes, like 15, 16 year old girls, I'm like some kind of little T trauma happened to them. Big T, little T, it doesn't matter they're reverting back. It's not their fault. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the behavior like person a, in me.
1: Yeah. Um, but th- there's like lots of other things that can cause,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: you can't diagnose a child based on how they think. They cannot tell you that you have to go on what you can see mm-hmm. and like the behaviors that they exhibit or the patterns of behavior, mm-hmm. not just like they did at one time. Um, and so a lot of these things, will do them for a variety of reasons mm-hmm. there's like a lot of other um disabilities or a lot of other like if they didn't get enough oxygen when they were born right, like there's yeah. just other things so they do ask you a lot of questions about early development and your pregnancy and your delivery because they have to rule out all the other things yeah. that could be causing did you smoke like, did you drink um, were they in the NICU yeah <laughs> it's just like a very lengthy <laughs> a lot of questions yeah um and so we did appointment. And I thought that this was going to be like autism diagnosis day. Um, it was not. And so the doctor was super sweet. They did a lot of just like play-based things. Like it just mm-hmm. as far as Abby knew, like with this nice lady for a little bit. Yeah. And they would ask Abby like to draw something or she should like do different scenarios. And so um, the other thing I realized was odd about our experience was that we got answers like that day. Like some people would be like, we'll call you in a week. Yeah. Um, she left and came back in and like had scored everything. And so the first appointment she was actually diagnosed with just a global developmental delay. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she's three and three past three and a half at this point. And they, the doctor was like, she's basically mentally like a Mm two-year-old, like early, not -hmm. two and a half, like early. And that one I had been like emotionally prepared for autism. I was at this point, I was like, I I know whether you tell me she is or not. Like I know that she is. I was not prepared for that. Like I didn't someone telling me like my affectionate, smart, precious,
0: almost, you know, higher end
1: three year old is two year old. I was like, no, like she's not.
0: Well, and as adults, we immediately think of them in their older age too. Like, okay, so does that mean when she's 16, she's really going to be eight? Like, (laughs) (laughs) like yeah, yeah.
1: Never going to change. And that just on one hand, it was like semi-validating because it was a little bit like, that is why I'm exhausted. Like, she's yeah. not a normal three year old. It's because she's I'm still, actual, I'm stuck
0: in the toddler well, two age. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Being two year old 2.0, like, I'm, mm. I'm still doing it. Like, I was exhausted. I
0: adored her,
1: but it was like,
0: yeah.
1: Next level, you know, and when you're parenting a two year old through a pandemic, everyone's exhausted. Yeah. It just felt a little, but like,
0: pandemic or not? You're exhausted. Little,
1: uh, like, she really was. It's like a little more challenging to be raising at this age yes. than a typical child. Um, so at that appointment, they said global development delay. And then she said, I do see a lot of signs of autism. I'd like you to come back for like a separate autism screener. Um, and so we came back for that one two months later and that day she was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember everyone being like, act autistic. like don't." <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like when you take your car to the shop and it doesn't make the noise anymore. It's like, could you do all the things you do regularly, please? Like don't act all cute and sweet to- now. Like.
1: Like not that I wanted to have a meltdown, but like I wanted it. Yes.
0: That's like when we took, when we took Zane to get his ADHD diagnosis, I was like, Tyler was like, watch, he'll be like super focused. He'll read a book or something. And we get there and we're five minutes in. He's like, I've got to pee. And I was like, Okay. And she was like, oh, there's one right outside. You can take him. And I was like, no, I'm rolling my eyes because I took him before we came in here six minutes ago. And she was like, oh, and I was like, and he'll have to go at least three more times. And she looked at me and I said, and yes, we've been to the pediatrician and no, he doesn't have a bladder infection or anything else. We've checked. Like he just doesn't finish. And she was like, oh, and I was like, yeah, go ahead and mark that as number one factor. Yeah. Check her, check her off. And she was like, I will. Thank you for that. Like, like, he's fine. And even if I stand in there and go, go all the way, it's like his brain says, I'm done. And he, like, he thinks, oh yeah. Yeah, like he, and Tyler's like, I don't know how he does it. Like, men don't usually just stop peeing. Like, and I was like, well, he does. Like, no problem. And then 10 minutes later, it's like, oh, I got to pee. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Just go, go to the bathroom. his Bless his teacher. She's like, um, are we all on the same page about this? And I was like, yep, it's, yeah, we know. We, we're working on it.
1: <laughs> so good that he, like. So to two colors. Like that's yes. what we want. All the <coughs> things like to experience everything about my child that I've experienced in the last. Mm-hmm. How, like I need you to, to get a full picture of
0: this kid before it's we it's so leave. hard to explain <laughs> anything that your child does in a way that is not like like, you want to be really blunt and honest about it, but you also want to sound ah. like you love your child, like, right? Like, you want to explain it, but, like, if you could do what you do instead of me having to say that you act like a jerk sometimes, yeah. like, that's how I feel about my two-year-old sometimes.
1: Um, Yeah, there were just, like, there were a lot of things, and so I remember when the doctor walked in, and Abby was, like, friendly and said mm-hmm. hi to her, and, or acknowledged her, and she said something about her making great eye contact, and I was like, oh, like, this is going to be the thing that you're yeah. going to say she's not a eye contact, and she did notice, like, a little bit later, she made a comment about Abby had made eye contact as you walked in, and then she hadn't done it since then.
0: Like, she knows she, to do it when you walk in, but other than that.
1: Yeah. Because you walked in the room, but then she doesn't look at you again. Um, or just, like, a different, some kind of play scenario that she, like, shot a scarf off of, like, a uh-huh. blue. And Abby laughed and ran to pick it up and came to show me and Zach, and then brought it back to her. And the she said oh that's great she's like wanting to share her joy with you and she's interacting with you and they did it a few more times and she did the exact same thing yeah. every single mm-hmm. time same order same exact response and that was one of the things that i had not i didn't realize how much repetition uh-huh. was because it was a cute um, thing that she
0: was doing at first
1: but she did like yeah. I, I don't know it was um, how many times in a row <laughs> yeah thing. a lot of things that i felt like are our doctor or psychologist had done a really good job with like really noticing little things about her and not just oh she's she looks fine she's social Mm -hmm. we're done here um and so they did she again left the room we were there for like an hour she left the room came back like 20 minutes later had it all tallied up um and said her official diagnosis was autistic and at a level two Mm -hmm. um which there's three three levels levels.
0: right yeah
1: Um, i think it's supposed to be kind of in lieu of like function like saying high or low functioning because mm-hmm. that i think those function labels are kind of on their way out yeah. like a lot of people and i don't know we still use them it's just a lot easier to explain well, it's, it's
0: kind of like with
1: for high functioning like that's yes. what you're like well and you know it's, it's kind of like
0: i saw a tiktok the other day and it was a mom talking about on iep accommodations when we when we add the phrase as needed to an accommodation because she's like okay but who decides that it's as needed like if my child yeah, is four yeah. she's not going to tell you it's needed but a teacher could also say no she just needs to try harder before she actually determines yeah. that it's needed. And so it's kind of like that perspective of in my perspective even with all the all the special education students I've worked with my version of high functioning versus low functioning could be very different than that of a doctor who has seen my child for 2 hours. Like yeah. so I'm glad that they're working that out you know out of it because yeah. while it is a spectrum I feel like it's a case by case scenario and even a a teacher by teacher or a year by year, you know, what is deemed as a higher function now as a four year old may become a lower function at eight or, or a higher function at eight, like it could go either way. And so I'm glad that they're kind of moving that out of there because it's everybody's perspective of how you function is different. No. And it's,
1: I was thinking,
0: And I feel like it slaps a label on them, whether they're high or low. Like if I, as a teacher, if somebody comes in and says she's low functioning, I'm immediately assuming that we have, you know, lack of verbal skills, lack of this, or you say she's high functioning. And then it's like, I immediately expect her to be able to do X, Y, Z that maybe she can't like,
1: and that is like, as the mom of the kid who gets labeled high function, I think that's like my biggest thing mm -hmm. is like, but she still needs stuff. Like you looking at her, that she's super high functioning and I don't want, teachers or just people to expect her to act like every other Mm -hmm. kid in the room because she's high functioning doing my
0: child is functioning that's all that matters we're functioning
1: (laughs) (laughs) take away all of these accommodations she's gonna drop from high functioning to low functioning Mm -hmm. like real fast like high functioning is not just like your permanent status of existence like it's like you are I think a lot of people mean it to mean like you're really well regulated at this moment you're communicating really how and like that can change. Right. Like, well, and if you're a,
0: if you're a parent in an art right? Well, and if you're a parent in an ard meeting advocating for your child in in something like this, that is something that I would encourage you to say is you know, right now in whatever perspective it is, you don't have to say functioning at all, but like right now I perceive my child to be high functioning or y'all are saying that he's he or she is doing really well and he's high functioning. I believe that he he or she is high functioning because of the accommodations in place. The accommodations are to support him or her to become high functioning in whatever capacity that that may mean and by removing that we are yeah and by removing that we are we are basically setting up a path for him him or her to be low functioning in your classroom so you know like advocating for our kids that if you want my child to be as high functioning as possible in your class that's what the accommodations are for
1: and, like they have these like that's why these accommodations are here and it's not that oh you're regulated we can stop doing these things but yeah that, nope that's not that's not how that works like a constant process mm. and so I guess the, the DSM five has replaced it with these levels which I'm not even sure yeah. literally the wording official wording is like needs some support needs a lot of support like what
0: does yeah and mean? who decides like, that oh, yeah
1: what support for what like what's the difference between a lot and I forget it's like a little, some, a lot. Yeah. And I was like, what? Is there like a quantifiable amount of yeah. support? Like, are is there, there not- a percentage? Things? Like, <laughs> oh. what does this mean? Yeah. So that did not, I don't ever feel like level two really helped me understand her any better. And mm-hmm. I don't use it. I tell, like, if somebody asked me what her diagnosis was, like, that's what it was. But it doesn't, it's not a helpful term for me in describing like, the parent, what she's yeah. like. Doesn't, I don't know what that means. She needs support. Like, right. Every human sometimes like depends mm-hmm. on what it's for um but she was you know not the high end of the scale not the low end of the yeah. scale she was kind of in the middle um but it did I think kind of surprised me and that in my head I think she still wasn't like air quote like super autistic
0: yeah. like there yeah. were a
1: lot of she was she blended more normally than I thought and that her diagnosis was like I probably would have put her like a level one like I didn't think she needed that much support mm-hmm. and the fact that like oh she does like she's not just like slightly autistic, right. whatever that like you know. Well, and I also think um, level
0: two is like the happy middle, right? Like it's the safe zone. I can't yeah. say she's uh, super low and I can't say she's super high, so I'm just going to place her here in the happy middle.
1: She just is autistic. Mm-hmm. She just is,
0: yeah. Um,
1: but, but it was really kind of a relief, and I remember like telling social teaching at the time, and I mentioned it to my team at lunch one day that like, oh, Abby was officially diagnosed yesterday, and one of my coworkers was like, "Are you so relieved?" And I was like, "Yes." Like, yeah, no, I don't see that. But I was like, I actually am really relieved, mm-hmm. and I know for a lot of parents, it's so different. Like when you hear that doctor say that they are autistic, like there is a wide range of Response. emotions you mm-hmm. will not a wrong way or a right way to feel about it. You are allowed to feel crushed and just like upset it's or a lot worried. To process, but be like, whew, like when you walk into that room already knowing that about them. Mm-hmm. And to have that confirmed is like a huge relief. And I think, I know, like, a lot of people say that they don't want to diagnose because they don't want to, like, label their mm-hmm. kid.
0: It that put way. a name like, to what you were facing, though.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. In, and rather than trying to, like, take her to play dates and sit there and explain this long list of, like, she's probably going to need a break at some point and she's not going to be super social and she's going to repeat a lot of words, like, like I can just say she's autistic. And people are like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> <coughs> Yeah. Sorry. That's one of her she's autistic things. Like, <laughs>
1: It, they're, she's gonna be labeled she's gonna be labeled weird or she's gonna be labeled defiant like yeah. it doesn't matter if she has a diagnosis or not like
0: there's people happen, are gonna label her yeah.
1: for mm-hmm. i'd rather it be an accurate label right now what people of of that word is very different like yes. if i tell someone that my husband one time mentioned to someone um at work that his daughter is autistic and they said oh i'm so sorry how bad is it and he was like
0: <laughs> scale one to ten like <laughs> I didn't actually ask that's for an apology, things, though.
1: Like a lot of people still don't know enough about autism. Yeah. To understand, like, and when I when I say that she's autistic, I'm not looking for like sympathy from you. I'm not sharing right. this like tragic thing with us. I'm just telling you about who she is. I'm, I'm letting you, you, like, you know
0: why she does the things that she does the way yeah. she does them. It's
1: odd, like this is. Mm-hmm. Not. And typically, when I would say that, people would be like, "Oh, wow! I never would have known." And then one day, some like. Easter party or something, I mentioned it to somebody. She had run up and said something to me. Or I don't even think she said anything. She just ran up to me. And when I said to the person next to me that she was autistic, he was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like, ah, <laughs> All the puzzle pieces right? just
0: came together. Yeah. You're
1: probably because you probably thought, Well, that like kid's like, Yeah. It's kind of odd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so sometimes it is really helpful to be mm-hmm. able to just, you know, you Explain, can't tell every stranger yeah. in the grocery store seeing your kid in that moment, She's autistic. Yeah. But like, for introducing her to people or for <laughs> purposes or for your friends. Just a helpful yeah. thumbs up things. Even yeah. if you don't know a lot of autism, you know enough to know that she's not a typical kid. Right. And like that right manages your expectations for how she's gonna act in this moment. And like that I'd rather you go, Oh wow, I never would have known because she's acting so normal right uh-huh. now. Um see my kid laying on the ground and be like, Wow, that kid is just a crap <laughs> right now. Like yeah. terrible mother like like that's when me. You can say, oh, she that's me. Oh
0: okay.
1: but... <laughs> it's just kind of a helpful term sometimes. Um, but that's I think that's how this whole social media thing started was mm-hmm. because I I don't know if it's the ADHD. I just I like to write. I think it helps mm-hmm. when I'm processing a lot of thoughts to write them down mm-hmm. because I can like get them out, organize them and that's edit funny. It, and I literally up. just had a I meeting.
0: I I literally just had like a consult meeting this morning, helping somebody set up a podcast. And I was, I was literally just telling them the opposite. I was like, so I'm really not a great writer, but I can talk about it, which is why you see like, I'll have tons of stories and I'll have podcasts, but I, if it's a blog, it's almost always like the basic script of a podcast put into blog form because I don't have the capacity to sit long enough to like write it in that kind of form. And so that's funny that you say that. See, ADHD is different for everybody, too. <laughs> and I do. I like to either, like,
1: have a conversation, like, talk to somebody about it. And I'll realize so many things while I'm, like, telling my husband about something that happened that day. And I'm, like, mm-hmm. as I'm saying it out loud, I'm, like, oh, that's why. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Yep. I just realized something and saying it, too, like, I just get it out of my head. Um, but I've always liked to write about things. And I had written, like, a roll on like, I had not mentioned it on social media at all mm-hmm. before she was done. I wanted to wait until like we had a real diagnosis but then I like wanted it's that same like I want people to understand her and I just mm-hmm. friends and you know Facebook people are seeing pictures and videos of her or like if you see us out in the store like I want you to know this about her because right. again like I want you to understand like she's not a typical kid and if I'm I'm a big bully I always have been and like sharing what I'm going through because I know someone else out there mm-hmm. needs to hear it and it can help you with your thing and I also was just so struck at how little I had known about autism. And I yeah. thought, I know, I know other
0: And what little, and
1: they don't. And what little and most of like, us do
0: know is not positive, unfortunately.
1: It's not positive. And so if you do think your kid's autistic, you're probably panicking. It's like, oh, <laughs> like,
0: no. I, yeah, like it's this big red flag. And like, obviously, it's not like sunshine and rainbows either, but neither is no. raising any of our children. Like, I, <laughs> you know, and so it's kind of like. It, that, that's exactly why we started this podcast and why I share the way I do on Instagram. It's like nobody talks about motherhood in general, honestly, the way I think that we should. I think we should all be blatantly honest about motherhood. And, and the good, the bad, and the ugly, they don't come with a manual. I'm sorry, they don't. If you thought they did, you were lied to. Nobody writes the how-to book for you. And you find out on your own. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you just have to find out on your own and it's really stinking hard and it doesn't change how much you love it, you you know, or any of that. But when you have a group of other people or you follow somebody that you hear like, okay, they too are struggling with this. Their kid is also doing this. Their kid is also doing that. It brings a sense of relief. Even when we, when you don't know them, like even when it's that, that's why we love Instagram. You're following complete strangers, right? Like there's strangers with 400,000 people following them and a vast majority of them are following them because there is some kind of connection there, right? Like they like what they share. They like their passions. You know, like in your case, they have a ch- and also have a child like Abby or whatever the case may be. That's the beauty of social media is it. It's like a support group without when it's used appropriately, then there's those people out there using it for bashing and bullying and whatever. But, but when it's used appropriately, it's like a support group all in its own. It's like a, Every two minute support group. <laughs>
1: this, like a little bitty, just knowing that somebody else out there yes, has been through what you've been through, the way you feel, can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And I just, I had started it, like I just would write these really long posts on my personal Facebook for like my friends and family, just about like something that had happened to Abby that day, or like kind of just teaching mm-hmm. everyone who was friends with me, like oh, a little tidbit about autism. And people were, oh, like people that I like, had been friends with in college and hadn't even talked to since I right. graduated would comment on. I'm learning so much from your post about Abby, and um, I had a childhood friend who I hadn't spoken to in adulthood reach out to me because she had seen all of my posts and was beginning to think her three-year-old, almost three-year-old, was autistic, and sent me a lot of pictures and like told me a lot about him. And I was like, "Your child's totally autistic." <laughs> like I do like glad you already think this because like you yeah. 100% get get him diagnosed. Um, like he. And now he's he did get he actually did get diagnosed pretty recently and has been doing speech therapy and OT and like growing so much mm-hmm. and like seeing all this progress and um, I thought if that was just one person on my right. personal Facebook like there probably are other people out there who need to hear this and I was like terrified of having like a public platform because mm-hmm. people are crazy and I didn't yes. want strangers to comment things about my kid like I am not tough enough for that and. I like, how about it one day walking through target but i was like maybe i should make like a public instagram just so a few more people can see my posts oh. and my husband thought it was like the best idea i was like yes you need to do this <laughs> like you're really good at writing our kids adorable like yeah. more people need to <laughs> talk to mm-hmm. them way and like see it the way that you see it like mm-hmm. i guess uniquely optimistic outlook on it i don't know but um, and just the fact that like, even in autism world, Abby was not typical. Like she mm-hmm. wasn't, yeah. yeah, like she didn't set the she didn't stereotype. She all the boxes, so, like, yeah. Or Facebook groups, not that helpful for me because my kid is not like their kids. Mm-hmm. And like they, those Facebook groups have thousands of moms in them. And obviously all their kids are going to be different. And you're going to get mm-hmm. like a hundred different opinions about mm-hmm. how to handle the thing. And just because autism is such a wide spectrum, but I felt like even among typical places you'd go for autism support it still didn't like they're just there weren't kids mm-hmm. like her um and so I started this Instagram and I thought I would end up with like 400 followers and 200 of them would be people I already knew and like right. that'd be the end of it and I was oh, like somebody else might be helped by this and I guess like you said like it it really resonated with a lot of people and um the there's this funny like growth chart thing in my Instagram stats yes. that like a very slow creep, and then somewhere I started it in November last year, somewhere around like the end of January, beginning of February this year, it like that line like skyrocketed Shana. straight up. Like, <coughs> what happened? Algorithm, like, in my face, what did it if it was like one particular reel? Yeah, just, like a lot of people found me all at the same time,
0: mm-hmm. and I kept
1: getting message after message after message of moms who were like, Your kid is just like my kid, and I've never seen another kid like my kid, mm-hmm. like, ever. And moms who either already knew their kids were autistic or thought their kids might be autistic, like whatever. They just had never seen another kid like theirs. And mm-hmm. they saw a video of Abby and went, oh my gosh, that's my kid. Like yep. that's that's how she talks. Like yep. that's things that might. Be. And it just became this really like niche mm-hmm. following of either like thought their kids might be autistic and didn't know what to do next or like their kids kind of floated in the middle like Abby. And mm-hmm. like they told them all the time that their kids weren't didn't seem autistic or like they right. got comments that i do and so things that i posted just really resonated with them um but i also have like the teacher side of me who loves yes. to teach people things yes Make like graphics in canva and mm-hmm. i love to do all the teachery things mm-hmm. so like i already followed a lot of parent accounts and they've been phenomenal i, I like i just have this most adorable like precious community of other moms about mm-hmm. autistic kids on instagram but they typically were just like moms sharing their kids stories they weren't like super educational and yeah. then you had like the accounts. SLTs that were just pure education yes and I kind of the middle ground of like I want to share cute stories because people identify with those and see their kids but I also love to teach people things and like I love to make infographics and that kind of stuff so I've done like a lot of both um and it's been it's just been really cool and I'll Mm -hmm. like just the messages I've gotten are like mind-blowing that just Mm -hmm. anything they is that impactful to somebody else and that and I didn't the number of times that people have told me you've made me feel less alone, mm-hmm. just high every time. And like, yep. and then I realized I feel less alone because yes. I didn't know anyone else like Abby either. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I have like 20,000 people telling yeah. me, like cheering for my kid when she learns to ride a bike or like, right. Just the most supportive messages and people like knowing that other moms were in my shoes. Like I didn't start it to make myself feel less alone, but then that just happened. Just like just it worked just, out it's kind of a side effect, and like talking about motherhood being hard. Like, mm-hmm. I found this Facebook. It was one of my most recent posts. Was a Facebook memory that popped up from when Abby was eighteen months old, and I had posted this picture of her. And I talked about my caption that I couldn't wait for her um, to start talking and for me to be able to have conversations with her and to hear how she thinks about things. And when that memory popped up, I like kind of laughed because I was like, "Huh, that took a really long time." Yeah, like, I I thought that would happen. That so memory, senior, that memory is a
0: lot older than that, I expected it to be.
1: That, yeah, like, I didn't think that it was going to turn out this way. Mm-hmm. And even at five, she still can't really tell me everything she's thinking. And I still can't really, like, have – she right. talks so much more. Her language has, like, grown phenomenally. Mm-hmm. But we still can't – if she wakes up crying in the night, she cannot tell me why. Yeah. Like, can't, I'll never know. If she's sick, I'm probably not going to hear about it till she pukes. like yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's – Like, there's still so many things that just didn't are so hard – and I adore my child and I think her brain is so, so cool, but it's also really hard. Yeah. And I, so I shared that Facebook memory and just posted about like motherhood just did not turn out like I thought it would. Mm-hmm. And um, I had said somewhere like toward the end of it, um, I said that I wouldn't change her for the world, but that my unmet expectations of motherhood were not her responsibility. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I, it's not her fault. She was never supposed you know me expecting one thing out of her does not mean she had to turn out
0: that way. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's not on her. That's on me. Like yeah. I, have, every, I have to change
0: my expectations. Yeah.
1: You Picture what it's going to be like. And it doesn't always turn out that mm-hmm. way. And that's not there. Um, but John, well, and this is you know, also the it.
0: downfall to social media because what we do is we see other parents on social media and we're like, okay, but my kid doesn't do that. Or my kid, yeah. Like, okay, there's mom of the year. But, and I, I hound this into people. I'm like, okay, but don't forget Instagram is a clip. Even if I do show you what the rough part of my day is like, you still are only seeing 15 seconds of it. It's not the same. And so like, I, you know, people will be like, oh, you, you do this and you do that. And I'm like, yeah, I do. But like, that doesn't mean I didn't cry in the bathroom this morning either. Like, (laughs) you know, or what, you know, or whatever the case may be, it's like, there are still hard things. There are still Instagram. And even when people share just in full honesty, their perspective, the way they mother, will never be the same as you because they are not you. Even if you have the same, you know, your your thoughts align, your beliefs align, whatever, you're not the same person. You're not the same human. And so we all have these different perspectives. And even if we all shared very open and honestly and unfiltered and everything, it would we would still as humans create this expectation that I should be like that one or I should be like that person. And when we're not, we beat ourselves up over it. But the reality is I'm not like her because I'm not her. Like I I can't parent my kids like you parent your kids because I'm not you, even though we are very similar. Uh, we, are, <laughs> we are not the same person. And so our processes, our reactions, our the way we handle things. Are not going to be the same, so so that is the one downfall to social media. Even when it's created in the most positive light, it becomes really easy for moms to compare each other and say, "I'm not doing what they're doing."
1: And that I think I just I post so many positive things Mm -hmm. on purpose. Like there's enough negative content about autism out there. People know the challenges. People know the stigmas. Like people know hard things. They don't know the strengths that come with us like they don't know that autistic kids have incredible memories mm. and are very good at like organizational things or spotting patterns and making connections and like they they are incredibly empathetic even mm. if they don't show it the way you expect them to like there are all these strengths that people just don't see um cool but um yeah I just and I feel like I didn't want those moms out there struggling with their kid's diagnosis to see me all sunshine and rainbows over here and like Mm -hmm. oh this is amazing like because it is but it's also hard and it can be both
0: absolutely okay Mm -hmm.
1: and just i think i wrote that post like pretty quickly and almost didn't post it because i could like already hear just Uh the the facebook
0: stupid Uh oh you
1: hate your kid and mother like i didn't yeah i
0: was
1: like oh somebody else is going to need to identify like somebody else needs to hear this like Uh i know there's going to be another in that post blew blew up Uh so quick (laughs) it got so many comments and like (laughs) so fast so many moms were like I needed to read that like I Mm. I needed someone to say that like
0: my last podcast episode title is I hate motherhood (laughs) (laughs) and I was like okay this could go one of two ways because I'm like I obviously didn't want it to be like hate motherhood. You're not going to like it. Like that's obviously not. But the reality is there are days that I don't, I love my children, but I don't love motherhood because it's freaking hard. And it was that same concept. I was like, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for like, well, if you hate it so much, then you shouldn't have had kids. Or my favorite response is, well, you know how you got them. Yes. I am aware of how I got all four of that. Like I'm, I'm very familiar with that. Thank you. I was there like, but it's like, it it's, doesn't change the fact if I had one or if I had four planned out, it doesn't change the difficultness that comes with the, the mental load that comes with motherhood. And that's not a knock to dads because they obviously, even the best of the best of the best dad that does all the things, we don't think the same. Our brains don't work the same, men and women, and the mental load that even if you had a husband who covered all the things, our mental load still goes the next step and says, well, he did load the dishwasher, but did he do this? Did he do that? And it's all these extra things. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I get home and he's like, well, they're alive. And I'm like, yeah, but in the amount of time I was home with all of them, the dishwasher would have been done, and two loads of laundry would have happened. But you just hyper-focused on keeping them alive. like." And so it's, it's like just, even with full support, the mental load that mothers have to to mm-hmm. survive motherhood is extreme and it and it takes a huge toll. And so I think it's so important that we have those groups or those pages or those people, you know, social media versions or actual real life sitting right next to you people to support you and to make sure that you know like you are not by yourself. I have a friend that she's been on multiple podcasts. We literally call each other and don't even talk. Like we just put our headphones in and live life. And it just brings great joy to both of us that like I can hear her kids losing their minds and she hears mine lose their minds. And then at some point, like an hour later, one of us goes, okay, we're putting them to bed. Have a great night. And we literally never have any kind of productive conversation and we that's never great. and we never called to say anything productive either. It was literally just like I just needed you to know that it was a basket case over here and I needed to hear your version also. And that's how we make it. Yep. <laughs> but well thank you be- so much for coming and sharing and I will if you'll send me the links and stuff to your shirts and all that, we will get it put it in the show notes so that everybody can support you guys and go follow y'all and learn more about Abby and all the things. Um, we didn't touch on speech, but you have a whole piece of information. Tell me what it's called again.
1: Uh, oh, Gestalt language, Gestalt, Gestalt, processing. language processing. Um, <clears throat> German. Um, about not exclusive to autism, but it is more common in autistic. Mm. kids to that language development path about the, the echolalia, the memorizing uh-huh. whole phrases before they ever say words. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's still not as common in like speech therapy world it's getting there yes Um, I was talking to some of
0: our speech therapists about it the other day because I had never heard of it until I followed you but
1: cool it and Mm that was my post last night it's just it's really cool um the more I've learned about it and kind of seen and it's not just when she first learned to talk like it's just how she processes everything always Mm -hmm. um and I think it will always be Uh uh-huh it's how it's Always how she just is gonna process information. It's really cool. Um that that could be its own podcast
0: probably. But But so I will share everything (laughs) in in, there you go. I will share everything in the show notes and you guys can go follow her. She has tons of highlights about all of the things. Um and you can go shopping and and get you a smiley face shirt. They're great. Um I need to go order some for all of us. Um, but thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and I hope that it reaches lots of mamas. Yeah, so fun so all right we well thank have- y'all yes well thank y'all and we will we will see you guys again next week.